generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Genesis 12, let's read together the count of three, two, one. We read, now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country and from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. All right, guys, let, let's stop. We need to read with a proper attitude. This is talking about the mandate you're connected to in Christ. So visualize it and read it with some energy. All right, let's do that again from verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you... All the families. Look at somebody say he's talking about me right now. Tell the person I'm Damilola Abraham. <laughs> of course, you're not Damilola Abraham, right? <laughs> but. The Bible makes it very clear to us that through Christ, the blessings of Abraham are ours. According to Galatians chapter 3 and then great references to that in the book of Hebrews as well. So God appears to Abraham and gives him the set of instructions and then tells him that there's a promise. There's something I'm going to do with your life. Somebody has a promise of greatness. Let me say it this way. You have a promise of greatness. That divine deposit in you has to leap this month. It has to stop being an idea, a thought, a notion, a concept, an ideology. It's got to be a deep-seated, deeply rooted thing that you cannot deny the people around you know that something has happened to this guy. And the Holy Spirit is doing that right now as I speak. Stirring up certain things on the inside of you. Some of you, the reason you've been unsettled is that you are in the get out phase. Because you don't enter the greatness phase without the get out phase. That's what God said to Abraham. God, now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country. Orajadi. That's my text this morning, I tell you. Because Orojade in Genesis chapter 12, Ashatele, you see it's in Jeremiah chapter 32. When I read it, you see. It's okay, let it out, let it out. Come on, laugh, laugh. Here. You see, that's what I'm saying. Come on. Channels of my spirit. Greatness! Is a divine quality that is already reposed in every believer. Greatness is not something you attain, it's something you unveil. <laughs> People of the world want to attain greatness, that's ambition. 
The people of God don't have to attain greatness. They unveil it. They reveal it. They uncover it. Somebody under the sound of my voice, God is going to surprise you by bringing things out of you you never thought existed in you. It's going to happen. Sister Oye, I don't know what you're expecting from God, but you better get ready for a redefinition. And there will be some discomfort in that process because God said to Abraham, when you hear the word get out, it's not a nice phrase, is it? So the introduction to greatness has discomfort. Discomfort. You're not introduced to greatness on a platter of comfort and everything is honky-dory and nice and dandy and everything looks like spaghetti and indomie. LMMAJ. There are seven souls, like shrimps and fish. It's not that coming. God is going to do it. Now, when God gives you a promise of greatness, when somebody gives you a promise, right? If someone gives you a promise, one of the things that makes the promise valuable is the character of the person. <laughs> do you have any uncle in your life or any auntie in your life who promised you heaven and earth but ordinary stone they did not give? Oh, come on. Is the only one honest person. Okay, friend. The friend said, I'll be there for you. Through thick and thin. I got you. Covered. I'm with you. Don't worry. Just, just count on me. And then, when push came to shove, you discover that not everybody in your circle is actually in your corner. Because circles have no corners. But the people that make promises of heaven and earth, some people have sweet mouth. Who knows what I'm talking about? They can promise, they can paint, but can they deliver? You remember that guy, the fashion designer. You went online, you scooped out all kinds of images and pictures of the kind of outfits you wanted. The lady said to you, ah, don't, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I've got this. In fact, I designed for celebrities. By the time I'm done, yeah, there are two kinds of people that work for you. Some people are through, others are done with. There are those who are through with your project. <laughs> and there are those who are done. By the time they are done with it. So, sister, by the time I'm done with it, you will not, you won't believe, am I fine, go? <laughs> right? And then one week passes, two weeks, Three weeks, a month. And you're like, ah, oh, what's happening? So I'm putting finishing touches. It has to be perfect. And eventually, after week six, which was three weeks after you needed it, you saw it and you could not recognize it. God does not promise you a design that he cannot stitch together. Oh, somebody didn't get that. God doesn't paint a picture that he cannot manifest. 
God does not show you architectural blueprints of a building he cannot construct. God does not show you the recipe that he cannot cook. God cannot show you or does not show you flour and eggs and nutmeg and not bake you the cake. If God shows you the picture, the picture is the echo or the reflection of what has already been done in heaven. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said when you pray, say our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. He says thy will be done where? as it is if God gave you a picture let me tell you something it's going to come to pass I don't know who I'm talking to but some of you don't you don't look like you have pictures can I talk to people who have pictures you were praying and you saw a picture you were worshiping and you saw a picture you were thinking and you saw a picture you were driving and you saw a picture and you said is this me or is this my mind or is it what I'm thinking but it was the Holy Ghost who took a, a paintbrush in the spirit and dipped it in the ink pot of the intention of God and was painting it on the canvas of your mind and is saying if I promise that I'm going to bring it to pass I don't have any need to deceive you to impress you to manipulate you to scheme you to scam you if I give you a picture it's going to happen slap somebody a palm burning high five and say it's going to happen tell that person unleash your greatness God has given you all get a promise of greatness. It's going to happen. Olamboske Kayade is going to happen. I don't know where you are on your journey what face what dimension what avenue maybe you're in the get out face and the get out face that's what what Vicky was testifying about I've been in many get out faces in my life where God just tells you get out of your country but God I just got my citizenship get out of there your citizenship is not where you're coming from it's where you're going to he says the men of old they set their eyes on the city whose architect and builder is God God never architects a thing that he does not build and so when you're about to get comfortable in a hut he gives you a flat when you're about getting comfortable in a flat he gives you a story building when you're getting comfortable it gives you a duplex a terrace building then a skyscraper I'm talking not only materially but metaphorically and prophetically every time Abraham is about to say all I will be is the richest person in Oz I'm going to be the keeper of sheep God says you don't even know who you are you think this about goats and cattle and oxen and land no this about destinies and nations and regions and people groups and spaces this is not about the book you're writing it's about the nation that will be healed with the testimony in the book it's not about launching an album it's because the album you're launching is going to launch somebody into the album of heaven the catalog of heaven the pictures of come on somebody when God gives you a promise of greatness He's going to bring it up. I told you I got a word this morning. High five somebody. Tell the person, unleash your greatness. God came to Abraham. Stop acting as if you promised yourself greatness. God promised Abraham greatness. In other words, Abraham was jelly on his own just by himself but the word of God hooked him with a promise and a promise is not like a rope you hold on to 
it's like a tie that pulls on you. Can, can I have you please? Sorry. Let me just demonstrate. I don't mean have you, have you. I mean for the illustration. Let me just demonstrate. God puts the promise on you and the promise looks like decoration. Now, you're dressed like an executive but you're not even employed. You're dressed like a future that you look nothing like in real life. But God is imparting in you gifts and competences and instructions. You think, me, I'm creative. It is God's creativity that is prodding those things in your spirit. So whilst you're thinking, I'm creative, it's God that is working in you. Why does God put the tie on you? Why does God put the tie on you? Because you get dressed before you show up for work. And when the promise comes on you, God begins to pull you with the promise. Have you noticed that the clearer the promise gets, the deeper you are in prayer? If you're struggling with your prayer life, revisit the picture God showed you. The picture will pull you out of prayerlessness. The picture will pull you out of laziness. The picture will pull you out of complacency. The picture will pull you out of mediocrity. The picture will pull you out of addictions. <laughs> Begins to pull you. So even when you forget the promise, the promise is on you. Have you been in a place before where you have totally forgotten the prophecy? You walked into this ministry, this camp meeting, this church for the first time, and somebody walks up to you and says, It looks like you're going to have a music ministry. And you told God three months ago, I'm done with anything called me. Even me, so if you don't care if I went. Okay, anything ministry, I'm done. But the people who don't even know you, who are vibing at the frequency of divine prophecy, they'll come to and say, Sister, it looks as if God is about to separate you from that relationship. And you're wondering to yourself, How did he know? go deeper look at somebody I've got a promise thank you very much one of the two things that will determine the authenticity and the veracity of the promise of greatness number one is the character of the person promising so you have that uncle that auntie that friend says see me tomorrow you show up tomorrow the person is not ah if only you came 10 minutes earlier okay sorry uncle when should I come come tomorrow by 8 a.m. Ah, so they do that because man can promise and sometimes the reason man fails is not because he wants to fail it's because there are factors and conditions he did not consider when he made the promise oh my goodness has he ever happened to you before you promised somebody you would be there for them you promised the person I'm coming for your baby shower but then you got out of your house and there was this shower from heaven and there was a puddle on your street. You felt like you were swimming at the Olympics. And so I told the person, you know, don't worry, I'll come and, I'll come and say hello to the baby. Yeah. That was a human limitation. But God's character is so rich and so full that when he makes a promise, he's committed to it. Yes, Jeremiah 32. 
This is the Ashatali. Verse 17. Hmm. I need this on the screen, guys. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. If you're there, can you say amen? Well, nobody's there. Look at what it says. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah! <laughs> Prophet Jerry is speaking here. Prophet J. PJ. <laughs> Sister Jerry stroking his beard. Right? What does it say? Shout it. What does it say here? Ah! Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by what? Your great power and who sang that song? Ah Lord God thou art made the heavens and the earth we now know people that went to Sunday school Lord God thou art made the heavens and the earth stretched and nothing Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God. Great T and D. Nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is too. That's what it says here. That song is literally from this passage. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of the children after them. To hold that in context, he's talking about the pattern of sin that is perpetrated in mankind. It is not God that is going there to arrest people because the word says it does not impute our sins against us. The Old Testament mindset did not understand the full counsel of God. So he attributed everything to God. So he was saying here yeah, that God is person that will say, your father sinned. Oh yeah, let me punish you. But it's actually the devil that does that. You understand that? And so he says... The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Somebody say, God is great. Say, God is mighty. Verse 19, it says, you are great in counsel and mighty in work. For your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among other, other men and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders with a strong hand and an outstretched hand and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you sought to their fathers to give them a land flowing so two things number one is the character of God how do you check out somebody's character find out the most recurrent patterns of their lives if you want to know somebody's character don't see what they did today don't see what they did this morning see the things that seem consistent in their lives 
So if they're, they're garrulous and they're talking a lot in this conversation, it does not mean they're talkative. Maybe they're extra excited. Come and talk to me. Maybe something just happened to them. Something just happened right now. Or maybe they're trying to impress the person. They heard that that person likes people that talk a lot. And so they're trying to impress the person. But check out who they are in private, who they are in public, who they are everywhere. Here in Jeremiah 32, God is, or Jeremiah is acknowledging the character of God. He's saying, God, number one, you made the heavens and the earth. So observe this, the part of the character of God is that God is able to create something without any man being involved. Because before there was man on earth, God by himself created the heavens and the earth. Can I announce to you that you cannot help God? Because the ground you're standing on, the ground that supports you and carries you, was created by, the, by a God who didn't have any assistant God, any deputy God, any third in command God. He didn't have any bank to take a loan from. He didn't have anybody in the beginning. Part of the character of God is that when there is nothing, if God is there, he will create something. Part of the character of God is that when everything is falling apart, if God is there, he will bring it together. The reason I'm saying this is that somebody here is in a face where it looks like nothing is happening in your life. No copper, no naira, you're owing somebody. This is a word right now. But the God who made heaven and earth, Jeremiah didn't just say, God, you've made heaven and earth. He said, ah, Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arms. If God made the heavens and the earth, accommodation is too small. Yeah. Only seven people got that one. Let me come over to the side, Pastor CY. I said, if God made heaven and earth, your accommodation needs are too small. They're too small. I want to focus on the greatness of God this morning, first and second service. Too small. If God made the heavens and the earth, do you know what, the, what Job says? He says, you suspend the earth on nothing. That's what Job said. Some of you are carrying weight and you feel like it's crushing you. When God is involved, even the earth is suspended. So when God is involved, the biggest weight will feel light. Some of y'all didn't get that. Some of y'all didn't get that. He suspends the earth on nothing. That means that the earth is not growing. Say, ah, I'm carrying all these people. These people are too heavy. Are you not getting what I'm saying? The earth is not saying, ah, there are now two billion fat people on earth, on me. I'm carrying the, the earth does not groan. The earth does not fall apart. The earth has been there from when God created it. And somebody right now, you're thinking your business is, this, is breaking down because there's all kinds of demands on you. The same God that suspends the earth on nothing is going to suspend the weight. He's going to lift the barrier. He's going to remove the heavy burden. Slap somebody a high five and tell him God will sort it out his character is such that when he intends to do something he does it God never abandons a project because there are no people he'll rather pass it on to somebody else or wait for another generation so when Saul misses a David is going to rise because David was God's plan from the beginning anyway. And some people have stopped walking with the prophetic word because they settled for a Saul instead of waiting for a David. 
When Elijah says, God, I can't take it anymore. God is like, are you sure? Because I've got 7,000 people. Your prophecy will not be passed on to another. The character of God. You know why many of us struggle to believe that God will do what he says he will do to, in our lives? We struggle because our character is inconsistent. Our character is generally inconsistent. So we say, I'm going to wake up by 4 a.m., but we don't wake up by 4 a.m. Oh, come on, guys, talk to me. Oh, can, can I talk to you? You say to your guy, guy, make a hook up by 7 p.m. You show by 8.30. I'm not yappy. I'm trying to explain to you why we struggle to believe God. Because we project onto others the character we have in ourselves. So when you say, God, when you give me that job, I'm going to give you the first month's salary. And when you eventually got that job, I said, ah. Ah, Lord God. God, I'll, let's, let's do it in kind. I'll walk to the equivalent of. We say, God, I'm going to preach. New Year. Once a week, I will preach on the bus. The first bus you entered, body odor, foo, foo. Conductor had a garden between his appendage and his body. <laughs> In your mind, like God, I'm supposed to be preaching, but if I say anything, that's why you slap me. So we say that. And when God now promises us, because of our personal inconsistencies, we struggle to believe that God will be consistent. So we think that if we're inconsistent, God will want to punish us for our inconsistency by being inconsistent because of our inconsistency. But if God responds inconsistently because of your inconsistency, then God is copying you. But God cannot copy anybody. You don't hear what I'm saying right now. God will not be inconsistent because you're inconsistent. So Paul said, even when we are unfaithful, God still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself hate him he still loves you forget him he still loves you give to him he still loves you forget to give he still loves you. who am I talking to this morning who's grateful that God is consistent no matter what no matter where no matter how God is still God by himself so David he disgraces as you will in quotes God he sleeps with somebody he's not married to Oh yes, he kills the person's husband. He sheds blood. And God said, David is still a man after my heart. What kind of God is that? I'll tell you. Your God. A good God. A merciful God. An overcoming God. A God who's not moved by your mood. God's faithfulness is not regulated by your emotions. Faithfulness is not regulated by your emotions or your mood. God doesn't go like, ah, let me check Jay's moods today. Mm. 
It's like she's been reading the works of D.L. Moody. Because, you know, some people, they went to primary school and the only thing they played with or the only swing they had was a mood swing. Let me tell you one. God owns the whole earth, but he does not play on his ground. So he owns all the playgrounds, but he doesn't play on his ground. Look at somebody. Say, God's faithfulness is not regulated by your feelings. The character of God is consistent. Not only did he make the heavens and the earth when there was nobody because he didn't need anybody's help, but he did make the heavens and the earth when there was nobody to impress. Let that sink. You know, many times when the stakes are high and the odds are against us, we're like, let me prove a point. God has been faithful before there was anybody to inspect his character. Is the faithful you go? I'm saying faithful character that's one. Number two is competence for a promise to be authentic. The person has to be competent because there's some people who have good character. They, they tell you, Sure, by 7 a.m., they're, they're there at 7 a.m., they're there for you. Oh, let's meet up at the palms, right? <laughs> you go to the palms, and you don't find maize there, you find palms there. They're of good character, but they lack the competence to make it happen. Do you know people who really love you, want to support your business, but the only kind of support they have is moral support? Come on, people. Even to buy a product, they cannot buy. But, ah, I believe in you. Sam, you're my guy. I believe, you know I believe in you, know. Now we win now, now we win now. Blood. <laughs> they can't help me with what I have in my bladder because the pressure wants to make me move in a different direction. So they have character, but they don't have the competence. So they can say to you, I believe you can cross this Red Sea, but they don't know how to tell Moses, lift the rod. God's character does not just stand without competence. God has character and competence. So when God says to Moses, bring Israel out of Egypt, Moses is saying, who should I say? It's even interesting that what Moses is saying, he's saying, who should I say sent me? He's not even asking how. Sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Because see, Tell him Pharaoh, or Pharaoh, let's go. Release the boys. That's good. Then Pharaoh can go like, all right, go. How are you going to get out of there? Some of you, you're not fulfilling your promise and your prophecy because you're asking what people think. Instead of asking God, how will it be done? What you people say? That's the wrong question. He said, get them out of Egypt. And when they get to the Red Sea, what does 
God do? God said to Moses, take the rod in your hand and part the Red Sea. The competence of God exceeds your skillfulness. The only thing that Moses used the rod for before God visited him at the burning bush was to lead sheep. To lead sheep. He had no idea that the same rod could part Red Seas. Somebody, you've been using your singing gift to just dance and play around. But God is going to use that same gift to open doors that you never knew existed in your life. Oh, who am I speaking to this morning? I need more fire. I need somebody who's got more energy. I need somebody who has more faith and more fire in their belly. I said the only thing that Moses could use the rod for was to direct sheep. and Sheep that are temporary. Sheep that live a few years and they are slaughtered. But God was using that same rod to part a Red Sea. In which world do rods part Red Seas? Well, I'll tell you. In God's world. In the world of prophecy. In the world of greatness. In the world of a new anointing. In the world of a new season. Somebody's rod is going to part the Red Sea. Somebody's pen is going to part the Red Sea. Somebody's words are going to part Red Seas. Somebody's clothes will heal the sick. Somebody's dry cleaning business is going to heal marriages. Somebody's power and potential will be used by God to do what you haven't seen before. Help me go to seven people and tell them God's competence exceeds your skill. God's competence exceeds your skill. God's competence exceeds your skill. God's competence. Abraham, God is going to show up for you. Not only in the places where you have authority and influence. You remember one time Abimelech was about to sleep with Abraham's wife. And God said, if I hear, he put some things in the private spaces of their lives. Whilst you're thinking about what people will say about your prophecy in public, God will be sorting out your enemies in private. Some of y'all don't know that story. God caused things to grow in the private portions, not only of Abimelech, but everybody in his house. In other words, God takes his prophecy personal. If anybody tries to mess up with the prophecy, he's going to attack them in the area of their productivity, in the area of their reproduction. Come on, somebody. Because Abraham, you will be the father of nations. So anything, anyone, anybody, any Kenny that wants to stand in the way, God will distract them with private problems. Oh my God. I feel like preaching to somebody. I said God will distract them with private problems. It will change the way they walk. They won't be able to move well. They won't be able to impart seed. Won't be able to come on, come on. God is not just competent in public spaces and private. God just said. Angel, how me introduce something at night? See the, the women in the house that wanted to have some kind of session with their husbands middle of the night. Bro, something feels different. 
God is going to alter the form and the structure of things that stand in the way of the prophecy. So when God promises greatness, he's not joking. It's not joking. Somebody goes, what does it mean to be great? We're going to continue the message in the second service. What does it mean to be great? What does greatness mean? When you say something is great, you're saying it's something of unusual or comparatively large size or dimension. Unusually large. It could be the size, not always the size. Sometimes it means something that is large in number, numerous, proliferating. Some of you already have something great in size, but it's not scaling. So you have a great message, a great song, a great anointing, a great product, a great hairstyle. You have that, but it's not scaling. But God is going to bring it this month. Some of you have been dancing around your seed of greatness. I have a seed of greatness. God is going to bring fruit out of it. It means something that has unusual power or intensity. First rate, wonderful, very great. Something that is extremely good or notable in degree. Something that is remarkable, exceptional, outstanding. Something that is important, highly significant. God is going to make you highly significant. In other words, you'll be a sign and a wonder. What's a sign? A sign points to the way. Your life is going to be a point that shows the way. That amen needs encouragement. Your life is either an example or a warning. God is going to make your life an example of greatness. That means something outstanding, distinguished, famous, noble, lofty, chief or principal, something that ranks high. God says, I will make you great. But for your greatness to evolve, you have to come face to face with the greatness of God. Some of us are struggling even with this promise right now because we've lost the consciousness of the greatness of God. So what are those eight dimensions in which God expresses his greatness? I possibly can touch only one or two in this first service. Maybe two, and then I'll deal with the six in the second service. Number one, God is great as a person. In his person and in his presence. His presence and his person are great. God is a great person. How many of you ladies remember that time that you went to some function, some party, and then you met this great guy? Oh, the ladies are sort of like pretending. Oh, you don't want to spoil your chances. Because you're thinking somebody in Kings might be liking you. And if you're not going to show so much excitement about the other guy, there's ah, she's still, she's still. Raise your hand if there was a time in your life you met a great guy. Mark their hands. (laughs) 
supposedly. That, that's, that's, I know what you mean, right? I know what you mean. Now, the reason you mark their hands is not like, hmm. It means they are honest people, y'all. Because people whose hands didn't go up, either they are not honest or we need to pray for them. Because what kind, I mean, if you're in your early 20s, what kind of guys have you been meeting? Right. So you met this great guy. How did you feel? You felt how? Good. Fantastic. You felt good. Right? Come on, guys. Talk to me. How do you feel? Butterflies in the belly. Butterflies in the She became a zoo. Butterflies, she says, in her tummy. Come on, guys. Who, who else felt something? Some of you became NEPA officials. Electric shock. But this is the, this is the deal. Just meeting greatness alters your state. So when we say God is a great God, you cannot stand in the consciousness of God's greatness and not be altered. God is like electricity. You cannot touch him and not be shocked. God is going to shock somebody. That amen had a two second delay. I said God is going to shock somebody. It's going to shake your world. May God give you a testimony that makes you shake. That makes you shake. God is great. The way you say, oh, that guy is a great guy. And why do you say somebody is a great guy? Because of their attributes, right? Maybe the way the guy just helped you. Like, like you saw the guy. And as you saw the guy, you're about tripping literally. And chivalry, he came and held you. And it was in a non-sexual way. Because see, the last guy that you were about to trip and fall, you about to trip and fall, the last guy, the last guy who was there, how do you like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because you're about to trip. Are you all right? Okay, let's go, let's go. Would you like to have a drink? God is the kind of God that when he delivers you from tripping, he does not molest you. He doesn't now abuse you, manhandle you, use you, stretch you, and say, after all, I was the one that delivered you. Now let me kill you in my work. He pampers you with his mercy. He preserves you with his kindness. He loves on you. He cuddles you with kindness and hugs you with hope and lifts you with love and marinates you in mercy. God is that kind of God who understands how you feel even before you feel it. Look at somebody say, God is a great person. 
One of my, my, my assignments this morning is to reintroduce to somebody and introduce to others the greatness of God. When we say he's great, we're not just talking about where he sits and how he is. He's a great guy. Let me tell you what. If you saw Jesus physically, you would trip. If Jesus walked into scarcity, even the guys would be like, who's that God? His gait, his composure, his compartment, his charisma, his beauty, his elegance, his warmth, his gentleness, his kindness, his complete. God is a great man. Look at somebody say, I'm in love, I'm in love. Oh. Ah, ah, God, you're scattering my head. I love you. You're great. You're good. You're wonderful. Oh, yeah, you are the bedu with the boss brain. You are the yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you don't know why I sing for so long because I have a love relationship with God. You did totori me, totori. When you're in love, you're not checking the time. Oh, whether the time has gone, you want it to continue. Can we stay there? Can we can we stay in worship? Can we stay in intercession? Can we can we linger? David said, As the deer pants for the waters, my soul is longing for you. When shall I appear before God in Zion? God wants us to be filled with the consciousness of his greatness. Do say love me, Pastor? Do you say love me, Pastor? Okay, I was scared. Let's loud it. Somebody shout, God is great. Somebody holler, God. He's a great person. I've been born God is a great person. God is a great person. I am no, sir. He's a great person. Ezekiel saw him and laid prostrate. When he appears to John the beloved on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelations, he fell. His presence is so engulfing that he handles everything in a moment of connection. Isn't that why you're going through hell, but in the midst of worship, you can't even feel the pain of the trauma. And God designed your life to be an eternal experience of worship. God is a great person. Somebody say God is a great person. Jeremiah 10, 6-7. Here's what it says. Remaining standing. I'm almost done. Jeremiah 10, 6-7. In as much as there is none like you. There's a song God gave me in the course of the week. But we don't have time. But none like you. Oh Lord. NKJV. He says you are great. And your name is great in might. He says who will not fear you? Oh, king of the nations. Hey! Do you know what that is? Some of you have seen Avengers, right? And you saw how Thanos got all those stones and... Who? Spoiler alert. Anyway, 
But you see, Thanos was behaving like a big boy, like an intergalactic god. But God is greater than a billion Thanoses. He says, you are the king of the nations. He says, for this, look at what he says. He said, who, who would not fear you? O king of nations, for to you does it appertain. That's big grammar. Do you know what this one says? He says, for it is your rightful due. That means God being feared is his entitlement. You get that? Licky, do you understand this? This is your God. And you're about to call him Erujeje. The one who's greatly feared. In fact, English does not do justice to that. His presence takes over the atmosphere. He says, for among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. We'll continue in the second service for time's sake. But let's just rest in that. Can somebody raise their hands and celebrate the greatness of God? And the homahatus. Let your mind be full of his greatness. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a great God. He's a great God. Oh, king of nations. I love that. Oh, king of nations. The king of all the nations. Somebody praise and worship. Worship him. Oh, worship him. Zale ya da la ya da la lo 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 la ya da. Oh la ya. Somebody you can see. You can see that picture in your heart. Somebody you can see that picture in your heart. Worship is Worship.
Hallelujah. 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 Chronicles 16, 23 to 26. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation. How often? From day to day. So if you ever had, quote unquote, what, what you would have called a bad day, just remember salvation and sing about it. The believer never lacks something to praise God for. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the goodness of the salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among what? Our name is very deliberate. Kingdom of God. Kingdom influencers in? You cannot be a part of this house and be small. You can be. You can be really connected, except you know you're just on the fringes like one of the uh, spiritual prefects of the house, you know, I'll just try to see how I can check out, supervise, you know, I'm a spiritual supervisor, <laughs> spiritual supervisor. You cannot be integrated. The mandate upon our life, our life as a ministry, and our lives as individuals, is nations. It says, "This wonders among all peoples, for the Lord is what? Great and greatly to be praised he is also to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are idols they are man-made they are just things crafted by human hands that demons take over because the demons use those things as points of entry entry points into the lives of those worshippers because the word says no you know that the person to whom you submit yourself to obey the same is your master. So once you start bowing to an idol, whether it's a physical thing or an ideological thing, you're bowing to an ideology, you're bowing to an, bowing to an idol, you are allowing whatever principality is hijacking that thing to begin to govern your life. But that's not you. Who do we bow to? The true God. It says, greatly to be praised. It says, for all the God's people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Our God is great. Somebody wave and say, thank you, God. Somebody say, God is great. Thank you, Father. We celebrate your greatness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and glorify him. Let it influence your prayers. When you pray, don't pray to a small God. 
That's why praise is important as the entry point for prayer. Because praise helps us to reestablish the greatness of the one to whom we're praying. And so, so many of us, when we're praying, we're just venting. God is not a therapist. <laughs> he can therapize. <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> of course, I said it on purpose. His presence is therapeutic. He's able to heal, to soothe, to help, to relieve. He's able to do all of that. But he's more than that. He said, as king of the nations. You know, it's interesting. The nations have precedence. They don't know that there's a king. Precedents can be elected. Kings can never be elected. Let me not teach that now. Hug somebody. Tell him my dad is a great man. Look at someone say, my big brother, he's cool. Put your hands together. Let's celebrate the mercy and the greatness of God. You may be seated. You may be seated. We're going to honor the Lord with our giving. So, as you're given this morning, remember you're given to a great God. Now, don't forget, it's not necessarily about the amount. If the Lord has blessed you with the amount, bless the Lord and honor Him with the amount. But God is always looking at our hearts. So, the greatness of your offering is not so much about the amount you give, but the amount that is left. There's a relative thing. So somebody this morning is going to give 5,000 naira. And for someone who is given 1,000 naira, God sees the 1,000 naira giver as a bigger giver than the 5,000. Why? Because the person given 1,000 naira has just 10,000 naira left in his account. The person giving 5,000 has like half a million or something. So it's about the sacrifice and the relative uh, impact of what, what it is you're presenting to the Lord. Why should we give? You know, people say all kinds of funny things these days. Like, God, don't give churches your money. But when you read the Bible, the Bible, God tells us prophets to tell the people many times, bring me an offering. In fact, he says to Moses, nobody should appear before me empty-handed. Nobody. If you don't have money, give something else that you have. Give gold, silver, jewelry. You know, you know what we always say when we sing that song? I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. Then you're in a church service. You don't have money. God says, yeah, pluck out your gold. Say, God, it's like I will trade you. I will trade you like Forex. But God tests our hearts. And some of you, that's an area where you need to pass. That's a test you need to pass. And it's not just when you have little. You know, people think God is testing when I have little. God also tests you when you have a lot. Because he wants to see whether you were given when you had little so you could get more. Or whether you're given out of love. Now, the test is not for approval for sonship. But it's for approval for responsibility. And doubt or not, there is ranking in the spirit. People will tell you that, ah, we're all children of God. But John said that the one that is coming after me, God has given him the spirits without what? Without measure. So some people have a greater measure of the manifestation of God's intention than others. And they're all believers. That's why it says, so we all come to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Christ. All right. So you can do your transfers to 
those accounts because we are talking about what nations so how many do we have here now four let's add German Japanese Bitcoin gold you know the days are going to come where some of you will give barrels of oil sounds like that oil is drying up don't worry you still have your oil before it dries up some of you didn't say amen so don't worry second service I will show you the greatness of God in you all right so let's give to the Lord we honor the Lord for the ability to give father we thank you so much for the offerings of your people we release that which you've given to us to you we acknowledge that you are our source Every other thing or person that brings influence to our lives is just the resource. You are the source. The source that never dries. The river that never grows, goes dry. The fountain of living waters. The one who takes care of all the details of our lives. And Father, we just honor you and worship you. We celebrate your greatness with this offering today. We thank you because all that you have ordained to do in our lives will be made manifest and increase in proportions today and every day for the rest of our lives in jesus name we have prayed can your amen be stronger and more convincing a generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings to join this growing community of kings visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566 one more thing Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.